Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. He's Blank. I'm Branham. Uh, Brian McDonald in for a vacationing, birthdaying, off-daying Joe George. Where is Joe today? Wrong answers only. 713-780-3776. Uh, 9691, getting himself some new ink. Tramp stamp. Joe has tattoos, right? Uh, yes. How many? He said on the air, he said they're, they're not visible, but I think he has two or three. One of them yeah, is Notre Dame for sure. More than one. He's a Notre Dame tattoo? Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, 8576, Joe took the day off because his wife made him wait in line at Target for the new Stanley Starbuck cup. What's the story What's a there? Stanley Starbuck cup? Do you know? I do not. I'm not do you know Brian McDonald? No, this is the first time I'm hearing of it. Can you give us the context of what the Stanley Starbuck Cup is? I might have seen some like vague tweets like, about this. Like, y'all go get y'all's cup, but I don't know what it was. Like, the bizarre thing was that there's this obsession with the Starbucks Holiday Cup that comes out like for 30 days before Christmas. And it's a red cup. It's the red cup. And evidently people get in line and they can't wait to get it. And I go, oh, that's cool. Why they get in line? Because you buy one, get one free, and you get all these different perks. They go, no. They just they collect the cup. And it's, and it's like a very cheaply made plastic cup. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't really get it either. Uh, I'm kind of a minimalist, though. 2851, he's changing his name to Billy Bob. <laughs> I think we're going with Billy Joe on that. Uh, 713-780-3776. 0002, is it weird to have a bit more confident in Casario's pick of the Aggie O'Lyman, talking about Kenyon Green, now because of the head coach-quarterback combo, or is he a bust? I, I think that, look, the to your point at the start of the show, I'm not going to close the door on him, but we went from one injury to another injury. The second injury was mysterious before the actually injury was declared. We found out about it. And then the backstory came out with it. He looked like he was getting his doors blown off and he looks like he looked like he was overmatched. He didn't look like he was the fittest, the tightest, the strongest to play guard in the NFL. You hope that all those things being said that with all this time off and after the rehab, he kind of realizes, Hey, it's time for me to kind of really step it up, put my big boy pants on, and show the world what I really can do. And, and you see a different version of Kenyon Green than you've seen in the first two years with the Texans. Because quite frankly, there's no other way to judge this but a disappointment, and you could say somewhat incomplete, but a, a massive disappointment where he was taken. Yeah, I think it's both, right? I, th- I think it has been obviously disappointment, and it has been incomplete. I, I think that the the best you can hope for is that he's been injury-riddled, and he's a good football player, and we just haven't seen it yet. That yeah. feels like a long shot right now, but you hope that you hope it's Derek Stingley on steroids. Although Stingley had a much better, more decorated college career, and Kenyon Green played more left tackle in college than than guard. But you hope that Kenyon Green's just been so injury riddled when we've not seen the real Kenyon Green yet, and we hope that he stands up next year. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRMP listener line. Let's go out there for Andy. Andy, you're in the hive of the bees. What's up? Hey, real quick, real quick on Green. Uh, let's just hope that uh, D'Amico can sit with that boy and get his head screwed on tight because I think he's got the talent. I just think hopefully he's been hurt, like you said. Hey, let's say that uh, Schultz re-signs, signs up, you know, three- or four-year contract. Who's your your first pick? Who are you going after in the first round? Because you got Patterson. We, We found out that Patterson can play. You got him coming back. 
you've got the uh, hell. Who was the original center was going to be this year that got hurt? You talking about oh. Juice Scruggs, or are you talking about uh, Quisenberry? Well, no, no, not Quisenberry. Scruggs. Scruggs. Well, Juice Scruggs from last year. Yeah, he's playing. Yeah, he's playing left guard now. He's back in yeah. playing guard. Yeah, yeah, him. No, 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 not Scruggs. The original center that played last year for us. I forgot his name. That got hurt right off the bat. Yeah, he's I know what you're talking about. I'm blanking on the name for whatever yeah. reason. They brought. He was the so starting center to- last year. He got hurt. Like they got hurt in the preseason. Uh, and then yeah. that's whenever like he was supposed to be taken over by Patterson. Blah 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 blah. I know who you're talking about. It's not. I'm blanking on the name. Yeah. I'll find it here in a second. So who? So who are you thinking they're gonna? They're gonna. Al, let's say also. I don't know if they signed Singletary for two or one year. I'm not sure what contract he's on. But let's say he's back. Let's say the whole offense is back. What do you think? What do you think they're going offense first first round? Appreciate the call. Yeah, it was Quesenberry. It was Scott Quesenberry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the one that got hurt. I, I was for some reason I was thinking about the other Quesenberry that they used to have. But yeah, Scott, Scott Quesenberry tore his knee up, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the original Quesenberry was the one that had the medical issues yeah. or the yeah, cancer in or... the preseason game. I think. I think it was in a preseason game where he tore his knee up. Uh, to Andy's point about what like they're going to be in a spot where they're drafting more than likely in the 20s. It, we don't know where they're going to be drafting because the Browns are in the playoffs and it depends on when they're eliminated, et cetera, et cetera. But I imagine it's going to be outside of the top 20. So now you're looking at bottom 12-ish picks in the first round. So you're not going to have a really good idea of how you go about it from a positional standpoint and how you attack it from a positional standpoint. Uh, I'm more BPA. Now, there's certain things that I want to address in the draft. Not sure I would want to address them in the first round. Uh, it depends on who's there. Like, I like the idea of adding a linebacker. I think the linebacker play on this team is poor. Uh, safety, I think they could safety, use some help, sure. even though Ward and Petrie are both under contract next year. I would like another weapon, but, you know, Casario's had good, like, he's had good drafts in the third round with receivers. He's drafted Nico in the third. He's drafted Tank in the third. So that doesn't need to be something that's addressed early for me. I don't hate the idea. If there's a Tyler Linderbaum available, just go guarantee the best center in the league for the next sure. 10 years in front of C.J. Stroud. Give him running back help. Give C.J. Stroud a Jeff Saturday to Peyton Manning. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and you know that from a running back perspective in the draft these days, fourth, fifth round picks turn into quality running backs. And whether you bring Singletary back or not, if you're going to kind of look for more system fits at the running back position, there's going to be plenty of running backs available that might be a fit. I, safety was the first thing that came to my mind, especially at, picking in the in the 20s. You're, you're looking at a position where Petrie has been grossly disappointing after a good rookie season. You're looking at, at, at a Jimmy Ward who couldn't stay on the field, and, and now you've got all these veterans that you're bringing in late just trying to stop the gap and, and do something down the stretch. That means it's got to be fixed going forward, and I think that there's going to be safeties to be had where you can get a guy possibly that can help you on the back end, which they sorely need. Because I think they've spent enough on offensive line with draft and the money that they've put towards it. You know what they already have at wide receiver. And like you said, the the, the quality wide receiver one types are probably going to be long gone by the time they pick. I wouldn't hate a center, though, or an interior offensive lineman. Because if you can say that they're going to be like the best of that position and that you can just pencil them in immediately to lock up one of your interior offensive line spots. Now... You have to ha- if you're doing that, you're kind of making the decision on Kenyon Green. You're making the decision that Kenyon Green's really not in your plans. That if Juice you, is going to be that. your left guard, and or Kenyon he and Patterson. Like you could have three guys: Patterson, Juice, the guy, the interior offensive lineman that you draft. Three guys fighting for two positions, and then the other one's your backup in the interior offensive line. But if you do that, 
I think it's a huge tell that Kenyon Green's nowhere near your plan. But I also think because you've taken Patterson and you've taken Juice Scruggs, I, I don't know that they're going to take another center. I don't. I don't. Do, I, look, that's the one position that I think. I mean, that, Patterson was a six rounder though. He like, was, but he's actually played way better. He than played that. better than that. But was it kind of like smoke and mirrors? Was it you're getting the most out of him, but he's not really that good? Like I don't know the answer to that question. He yeah, was. But, you, but my very point is, you have two options, right? If Juice would be able to come over and play center if you needed him to, and that's like you said, if if Kenyon Green is serviceable or better then Juice can play center, and then Patterson's a backup, and then you've got a better backup because we always talk about the depth of this team. Yeah. But I, I'm not thinking they're going to focus early on on the offensive line. I think they would if the right receiver fell to them, they might consider that. But I think the defensive side of the football, you're right. The linebackers, and it a lot depends on free agents they bring back because they've got a lot of great defensive linemen on this roster that have done, played very well for them, but they're all basically contract up, and you've mm-hmm. got to make some decisions. If, you let a lot, if all those guys start to walk out the door, you're going to need some help on the D-line, you definitely need help linebacking core, and now you need at least one safety, in my opinion. They might be in a spot where it's BPA. Like, if you do pretty well in free agency and you can bring back some of those guys and you have, like, your starters kind of locked in or at least penciled in or guys that you're comfortable with, now you're in a spot, uh, BPA. Let's go with the best player if, that's available on the board. And if Stevie Nelson walks, now you got to look at corners, too. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of depends on what free agency does, uh, for sure. Lamont, question, uh, if Nick thought the Browns were capable of 11 wins, do you still think he made the deal for Will Anderson? The same applies for the Cardinals. If the Cardinals thought the Texans were at least nine wins, do you think they do it? If the I don't believe the Cardinals make make the trade if they thought that the Card- I think they were banking on the fact that that Texans pick was going to be in the top ten for sure. I still think higher. the Cardinals do it. Do uh, yeah, I think they were kind of desperate to trade down. Like they they I believe that they like guys like in the next wave. In fact, they traded back up into the next wave at number six. So I think that they they were probably trading that pick no matter what, and they traded it to the highest bidder. So I think the Cardinals would. I think the Texans would too, because how did you not think that the Browns were capable of 11 wins? Like, they have a Super Bowl-level defense. They have Watson, even though he sucked. They have Nick Chubb whenever you made this trade. Like, the Browns were a dark horse Super Bowl contender whenever you made that trade. So I would say yes to both. Yeah, I I think that... Arizona, you're right, was looking for the biggest haul because they weren't looking for quarterback because they still they had a quarterback on their roster that wasn't going to play the first six plus games that was already in, in their in their big contract that was going to be tough to move and they didn't know what they were going to do with Kyler Murray. So I think they were looking to try and move down, but I mean in retrospect, I think that they thought they were getting a pick from the Texans that was going to be top ten, if not better. We have a. We're not going to go. We're not going to take this call from Keith. Keith says Dalvin Cook going to the Ravens. He wants to break that news. One five zero nine. Bees just talked about Dalvin Cook going to the Ravens. Um, why is why are people wanting us to talk about a washed up running back that's no longer very good? Like that is news. Dalvin Cook is signing with the Baltimore Ravens. Why is this news? Dalvin Cook's washed. He stinks. He's no longer any good. Two teams have gotten rid of him in the last eight months. I, I think that. I think people are wanting to talk about it because they were considering, do the Texans need to take a shot at him and kick the tires? Were they? Uh, oh, yeah. I saw some, some people hit me up, too, and some and I've talked to some That's friends. That's dumb. Do they need depth? If they need depth at running back instead of uh, Agunba Wale or guys like that, could you add a Dalvin Cook? And, well, can and then, Dalvin Cook kick field goals if Kaimi gets hurt again? Can, probably not. Can Dalvin right? Cook be your best running back in pass protection? Dre like asked Dari? me this yesterday. He asked us in the Twitch chat, and I said Baltimore would be the best fit because they've lost so many running backs that they need. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back with this. I said it, it made right. the most of it. Who cares? I'm commending I, I, you. I know this what you're doing. Work. You're being sarcastic. No, I'm not. You're right. You did great. Uh, but the biggest thing was any playoff, because he said he wanted to land with the playoff team. Most playoff teams, their running back situation is pretty locked up. It's pretty set. Baltimore has one where they've struggled with injuries for the last several years, but even again this year, midseason, they lost another running back. It just made sense if anybody was going to take a flyer, that was the one that made sense. Dalvin Cook is RB3 in Baltimore. 
Does the guy officially blow, tear his knee off the, a couple weeks ago? The one that was running wild on the You're national. You're talking about a young player. Mitchell? Yeah, he, he was Mitchell. all yeah, over the place. He's, he's, he's done. done. He's done. Yeah. He's done. Dalvin Cook's still RB3. Yeah, he's, he's, so he'll be behind what? Justice Hill and, and, and Gus Bus? And Gus the Bus. Yeah. Dalvin Cook's still the running back three in Baltimore. I mean, they needed. They still needed depth, and maybe they still think that, you know, in short doses, he can do something for them. Dalvin Cook supplanted Melvin Gordon on the Baltimore Melvin Ravens. Melvin Gordon was, was on the Ravens roster? He's their RB3 now. Yeah, they signed her to the practice squad, I think, whenever um, Dobbins got hurt. And he's been on the practice squad, I think, all year. And then they promoted him, I think, when Mitchell got hurt. Wow, there's a name that's fallen off the board. So, I mean, Cook's going to upgrade over Gordon. But I still think he's RB3 in Baltimore. Uh, Dalvin Cook, huge name. Lack of production. Lack of production. 713-780-ESPN. I guess it's hard to know what he was, though, because he was behind Brees Hall in New York. And their offensive line sucks. Yeah. I mean, Brees Hall didn't have any problem. No, he did Huge numbers, though. Yeah, but all his passing numbers are, or his numbers are through the passing game. Look at his yards per carry. It's terrible. Good. No, it's bad. And so he's more through the air. Dunk yeah, no, like it's. I, I, I love Brees Hall. I think Dalvin Cook is washed, but the Jets' offense line is pretty, pretty, uh, definitely bad. It'll be interesting. See if he brings anything to Baltimore. Uh, we'll get to the Rockets on the other side. Also, how do you feel about somebody taking off for their birthday? Not that we know anybody that has taken off for their birthday, but how do you feel about somebody taking off work for their birthday? 713-780-3776. Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Guys, I mean, we all know it's 2024. We still have big games coming up. We've got the big game in February in professional football. we got the big college game coming up right here in Houston. You've got college sports like basketball. You've got the NBA, the NHL, and so much more. And you can make all those games as a sports fan more interesting with my bookie in the new year. A little wager on a game, if you don't care about the two teams playing in it, can make any game more interesting, more exciting, and possibly more profitable for you. MyBookie.ag is the place to have all that fun and so much more because there is so much to bet on. And you can even pick who's going to win that big game in February right now. Just go to the website, MyBookie.ag. Click on bonuses to see all the great ways to turn your deposit bonus into cash. Whether you're new to MyBookie or you want to reload as an existing customer, you can also refer a friend and get bonus cash. All you got to remember is every time and any time they ask you for a code, you put in bet975. That is the ticket and the key to unlocking the lock and getting you all the different kinds of deals that they have to offer just for you. Those match deposits are unbelievable, and you can put cash in your account instantaneously. There's more fun with MyBookie Casino games as well. Live dealers standing by for blackjack, roulette, and a whole lot more. Even when there's no games to bet on, there's casino games to keep you occupied. Start your fun today. MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code BET975. And as I always tell you, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's MyBookie.ag. And remember that promo code BET975. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Doing just enough not to get fired. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Bergman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. He's blank on Branham. No George George today. He's taking the day off, and it is also his birthday. I don't know if that's related or not. Uh, Brian McDonald filling in. BMAC, uh, he 
He drew the ire of a Raven fan. 3302 J Dog. I don't know if he's talking to you or me. Uh, your guy wouldn't let me in. Got my pre sale to the AFC Championship, Flock Nation. Uh, Joe will be back tomorrow, although I think he would have done the same thing. He uh, tweeted us as well. Oh, did he? Yeah. Was, who was, was it Keith? It was Keith. Yeah, Keith's the big Raven fan. Jeremy, I was ready. Phone <laughs> phone emoji. Dalvin Cook, hashtag Ravens Flock at Pac Benjil. Congratulations on your new third running back there, Keith. Try to win. Don't be the one seed and lose again in the first first game. Uh-huh. The Ravens make bad take Boulevard here in a few minutes, by the way. Mm. Just saying. I think karma might be out to get them. Uh, Joe George is out in Alvin getting drunk at the Gentle Bin tasting room on Branham's dime. Uh, I hope that's not partially true. Joe but he owes drunk. you booze. I wouldn't pay. They, no. I wouldn't pay for Joe to get drunk. Not even on his birthday. Not even on his birthday. And he owes you booze. He does owe me booze, and he did buy bottles of Gentle Bin for the Christmas season. Yet none of them have made it my way. I hope my my bourbon doesn't make it the they same way as my coffee yet? did, in the same way that King of Twitch's gift card that I won in a bet did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't get any of those things. Uh, 713-780-3776. Where is Joe George today? 713-780-3776. Wrong answers only. Before we talk about taking off on your birthday, not saying that Joe did. He might have. Uh, Rockets won yesterday, 112-101. Now two games above 500. Another strong third-quarter performance. That's great to see. Alpi Shingun is a pleasure to watch play basketball. But this is what you have to do, Blankers. The Nets have not been playing well. You're at home. You need to win at home against teams that are not playing well if you want to be taken seriously as a playoff contender. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing you got to do is you got to beat like teams like yourself, like young teams, up-and-coming teams, teams with young talent, and try to set the precedent that, hey, we're better than you. We're better than a lot of these teams, and we're taking the steps necessary to keep on improving. We've seen Oklahoma City do it, the most recent of all the teams that load up on young players. But the Rockets have enough young talent now, and we're just scratching the surface on two of them with Cam and Amen, that you look at this and say, hey, look, with this stretch of games coming up, they're going to play those two young guys even more. The young guys are stepping up. Alpi's showing you who he can be. And the team is winning basketball games, and that's what they need to do because, you know, they're the eighth seed today. But when you look who's behind them and by how many games, you know, Phoenix is is, based, is one game behind them. The Lakers, too, but we don't know what they're going to do. But the Warriors are probably still going to be heard from. Memphis is trying to make up ground. There's a lot of games that they still have to be concerned about winning when they want to stay relevant. But winning games like this is a pretty key step because it's always tough to beat the Titans and beat the Bucks and beat the Celtics and beat those top-tier teams. But when you can beat the teams that are supposed to be on the same tier or a tier above you, now you can make hay to try and get to where you want to go at the end of the year. Did you say the Titans? The Titans of the, the basketball oh, world. Like, okay. you know, the best okay. teams. Okay. I thought that's what you might have meant. Yeah. But I, wasn't, <laughs> I thought you might have like meant somebody else. I was curious. No. Uh, Alpi score had a 30-burger. The, the dude's a stud. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, 21-point game, 10 assists. Jalen, he was 3-for-9 from 3. He wasn't, his, he wasn't his tear that he's been on. But 14-8-4 and four, when you don't shoot it that well, I'll take that. From Jalen Green? Yeah, and you know what, Jeremy? It kind of, when we were talking about this the other day, we both noticed that, look, they had a change in philosophy offensively. They started putting the ball more in in Jalen's hands for a couple of games. And you saw the benefit of it. But what's so bad with having both philosophies ready to go at at a moment's time? Because in the third quarter in the last two games when they've exploded, they ran the ball almost almost exclusively through Alpi. And Alpi got rolling. And then it wasn't just offensively with him shooting the ball. He found the open man. He found the cutters. They got rolling as an offense. It's just the same way a lot of times Chris Paul and James Harden would start games or Chris and Russ or whoever the other superstar was. And then it would stagger throughout the game. There should be moments in time or parts of quarters where you just run it through Alpi. And then there should be other moments in time, put the ball in Jalen's hands, 
Let's go on a run. Let's play up tempo. Let's see what we can do. You have those options, which some teams don't have. You do one without your best, uh, not your best two, but two key players for your team, too. Atari Easton, Dylan Brooks were out. Mm-hmm. Uh, good to see Slam Whitmore get some minutes. Uh, look good again. Knocked down three threes, 11 points. Uh, I want to trade Tari Eason quickly so he can get the – or not Tari Eason, Jay Sean Tate. Yeah. So Cam Whitmore can get all of those minutes. Cam Whitmore needs to be in this Rockets rotation. Some way, somehow, put him in the rotation. Yeah, if there are teams now that are going to be in the playoff mix that are looking at Bullock, looking at Jay Sean Tate, looking at um, the, the backup Holiday, looking at those type guys, and even if it's not going to get you anything other than a second-round pick, but primarily if it could get you a backup big – so that you don't take minutes away from the young players that really deserve it right now, but you could add something that they'd sorely need because when they lose the games that they've lost recently, Jock Lawndale has no chance of doing anything that he was signed to do. And and all you got is Al P and Jabari up front. You need some help up front to kind of back those guys up and give you a little extra beef and some rebounding. But other than that, let the young kids play at this point. 713-780-ESPN. Joe George is uh, off today. Not sure why. Uh, it is also his birthday today. Facebook told me that. Found out this morning that it was his birthday. Uh, one You're not can, sure why? One can make the assumption that he's taken off because it's his birthday. He flat out told me that yesterday. Okay, I don't ask what people, why I didn't people have are to taking ask. off. He told me. Okay, that's cool. He told I mean, me he on Tuesday he didn't want to deal with you, Jeremy. With me. That's, no. that's why he's taken off. Oh, yeah, he I was me shocked too. Else. I was like, well, we didn't know that. And he's like, yeah, no, no. So I take it off. I'm taking it off for my birthday. I, like, oh, okay. I can understand why somebody wouldn't want to put up with me on their birthday. I get that. I mean, that's what he said on the bullpen Tuesday I'm night. A, I mean, I'm a difficult person to love. I get that. I understand that. I have no problem with that. I am who I am. Kudos to your wife. Can somebody... What do, or the question here is, what do you feel about somebody that takes off work for their birthday? I guess Joe tell, tells his friends that he's taking off work for his birthday. He didn't tell me. But what do you feel or what are your thoughts on somebody that takes off work for their birthday? Where do you stand on that? Well, I stand differently than I did growing up and, and for the most of my life because I married a woman that takes has always taken off her birthday. And she just wants the day <laughs> to kind of relax. She actually doesn't want the attention of it. She doesn't want it put out there. She just wants to enjoy her day her way. And so she basically kind of scripts it so that whether the kids are in, you know, in school or not, that, you know, she takes care of things she wants to do. She gets a workout in. Maybe she gets massage or something like that. But that's the way she does things. And I respect that. What I don't respect are the people that call it themselves their birthday week or their birthday month or the people that parade around or parade around with the little what is it? The little stick pin that says, hey, it's my birthday. And then they start pinning dollar bills trying to make cash off of it. Whenever, wherever they walk around for 24 hours. It's a bit much. Um, that might be a little bit racist on what you said there. Why? Everybody does it. I haven't seen any certain mm-hmm. race do it. I've seen everybody do it where they say, hey, it's my birthday, and they pin dollar bills. 713-780-776. I think we know. Why? <laughs> 6100. If my birthday lands on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, a day off is not a problem. If your birthday lands on a Wednesday, come on, man. What about a Thursday? What about a Thursday? Uh, I think taking off for your birthday soft. Very, well, I, mean, I think well, it's like soft. You, you, well, I think it's selfish too if you're if you're if you have a significant other and you have children. Every I used single to take one. off in this because my birthday's in June. I used to take off to play golf all day mm. on my birthday. 
Mm. Now, this is pre-family? Yeah. Okay, pre-family. I'm okay with that. Pre-family and Rockets out of season. Because as you know, once you become like married oh, and you have kids, every time that you're taking, and Joe does, Joe does, every time you're taking off work, it's never because you're taking off work. It's because the kids have something they want to do. It's because the wife has something that they want to do. I can't remember the last time I took off work to spend a day on myself. Like you mentioned, Lisa does the massages and the manicure. I would love to do that for my birthday, but I don't. Because I have a family. I have kids. I never take days off work that don't involve them. Well, and that's why I said if the kids are in school and, and her, her birthday was yesterday, it was January 3rd. So if the kids are in school, then it's easier for her to do those things. But the kids become your top priority no matter what. But she's definitely someone that does not want all the attention of her birthday. And she would rather just be able to kind of just do her own thing, relax. And just kind of soft. stay at home. Mrs. Mrs. Blank soft. I'm sure she would have plenty to rebuttal to that with. Zero, zero, one, eight. People who take off your birthday is is soft. I, I, I agree. Crankshaft right here at Hitchcock. I think you're soft, man. I you, haven't worked on my birthday with in 30 going years. By crankshaft? No, this Crankshaft actually agrees that you should take off your birthday. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, Crankshaft's on the opposite side of me. He says, I also take the day off for all three kids. So Crankshaft takes off his birthday, takes off all three of his kids' birthday. How many PTO days do you get? When I was, you know, obviously, I love golf. If, if I could, I would take off my birthday so that there was no interruptions and I could do something that I wanted to do playing golf in the offseason I didn't have a family. I loved it. And, it's different know, when you don't have a family. And other than that, it was like, what can we use it as an excuse for to go out and have fun and get everybody together and have some drinks and, and order some food? That would be the only thing that I would do on my birthday. I, I don't. My birthday's not really not even a birthday. Like, celebration, I might go out to dinner, have some gentle Ben. That's, that's it for me. That sounds no, I'm, like I'm a inc- normal weekday for you. I'm incredible. It is. I mean, I'm incredibly boring. I'm vanilla. I get that. I mean, look, if you get, let's say you get 15 PTO days. I'm not, here you start off with 10, you go up to 15 after mm-hmm. year one, just to use here as an example. Yeah. I like, I'll, I'll speak for me. I, I have taken a day off for my birthday, but in this case, I'm spending nine of those 10 days on wife and kid. I get one for me. That's a problem. It's not a problem. I just don't know how you pull that off. Like you're, no, not, the I mean, wife look, and the kids grand, allow the you to have this day. Want to see the kids anyway, so you drop the kids off, Damn. the kid oh, off with your grandparents, and a, allow you to have this day. Yeah, yeah. The, my, Lisa's like the kids demand that you have cake. The kids demand. No, no, no. That I'm talking about spending the entire day like away from everybody. No, like, not go, the entire go wake day. Up, just go like golf, an afternoon. Go eat dinner where you by by yourself at the bar. No, go no, no, have no, a no, little that. night. No, That's no, what no, I'm no. saying. Like, when, when I've done, you're it, not going to have a full day to yourself. No, when I've done, I, I'll go have lunch where I want to eat lunch and I'll watch a movie, and then the rest of the days with the family. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about an afternoon. Yeah, they the, demand uh, that at night you got to have cake. You got to have dinner. You got to have balloons or whatever they want. Talking about taking off a day completely i'm not saying having a little hey it's your birthday let's have a little steak and cake like that's kind of goes with the territory i take days off to go work well you also have quite take, the schedule sounds i take like days off to go me. work sounds like you've messed up messed joe's up, joe takes a day off i think allegedly for his birthday that's soft man Bro, that's he's, super he's constantly soft. being drawn down the hallway and into meetings and with conversations going on all the time he's overworked man yeah, he likes to maybe tell if people you're a little that. nicer to him jeremy maybe he'd be here Seven one three. It's it's soft. Seven one three seven eight. Not to say that Joe's taken off because of his birthday. It just happens that he has a rare Thursday off. His, his birthday's, birthday's January fourth. But he'll be back tomorrow. Hmm. It's weird. Like if you're gonna do that, it's gotta be on a Friday or a Monday. Extend the weekend. Sure. Just that's a, a that's rogue a good call. Day, middle day of the week. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. That'd be less soft if he took multiple days off. No, it wouldn't be multiple days because I mean he gets his weekends. All right, all right. It yeah. used to suck when your birthday was on like a Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, 
because then you know going out wasn't going to be a lot of fun. But if your birthday was on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. you can tear it up. Like, uh, I, I think taking days off in the middle of the week are, are silly. Unless the week is, like, wrapped into the weekend. Like, if you take a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like, ahead right. of Christmas or something like that, like, that's smart. Taking a rogue Wednesday, Thursday, and that's it? It's a little silly. I have to do that next week. I actually am taking a PTO day next Tuesday. Guess what I'm going to be doing? Working! Working! You don't you take work days jobs. off work for your birthday? 713-780-3776. Taking a day off belongs on Bad Take Boulevard. He didn't make it because we're feeling generous to the birthday boy. But what does make Bad Take Boulevard this week? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5, the only Houston sports station with a bidet. And uh, the bidet, is it in good working order, the, uh, the bidet? So many bad takes on sports. What do you do with all of them? Only there is something in your head to control the things you say. Well, the killer bees use them to build an actual street where they can get run over for all eternity. 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 What's that street? Bad Take Boulevard. All right, who makes the list this week? Uh, this week, a Bad Take Boulevard. He's blank on Branham. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. If you want to add bad takes, or if you see them through the week, just tweet them at Pacman Joel. Which of these is a bad take? Curious, because they're kind of similar. College football, they both involve the Rose Bowl. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet said that they should play, they being college football, should play the national title game at the Rose Bowl every year. You also had Stephen A. Smith saying they should move the Rose Bowl to SoFi Stadium. One of them a bad take? Both, both of them, them are bad, bad takes? Take. Or is neither one a bad take? Both of them are a bad take, Jeremy, and here's why. Because my wife is from that neck of the woods, and so I have a lot of questions. They rave about the parade and the, the beauty of the, the, the land around there and everything to do with the Rose Bowl. And I said, well, wait a minute. Is the concourse enclosed? How much, In terms of, like, sweets and in terms of, like, food options and everything like that, is it good? Well, no, you got to walk a long way if you want food or go to the bathroom. And it's, you know, and, and I said, well, the seating looks like it's kind of bleachers, just like Lambeau. The thing is, when you look at Soldier Field, when you look at Lambeau Field and some of the iconic stadiums in the NFL, they left the field alone for the most part. But even there, they made upgrades, modernizing it. But they modernized everything else. It's all indoors. There's atriums. There's restaurants and bars. Everything is more convenient, more bathrooms, everything like that. Everything that I hear about is the Rose Bowl is completely antiquated and old and just brutal, except for the field itself. So if they want to have more games there in the offseason, they need to do something to upgrade the facilities. And the other thing is, from a national championship game perspective, you can't just put it on the West Coast. And and, and if a West Coast team is involved in it, that's a home field advantage. You still have to move it around regardless, which is why it's a bad take. But if you're going to keep it at, at such a prestigious place with the reputation that Rose Bowl has, you gotta you got to bring it to the modern times and upgrade it. So then you don't think Stephen A's is a bad take? Stephen A's is a bad take, too, because I don't think you move it to SoFi. If you, the fact that you love the environment, the open-air stadium, the fact that, you know, with the everything around it, you, you can keep it there, but you do something to make sure that it's worth keeping there. SoFi modernizes it so much. It, I, to me, I, I don't like that idea either. I hate Herb Street's idea. I, I like the rotating national title game. We wouldn't have it in Houston right. every so often if you do this stupid thing. Uh, I like the rotating national title game. I don't think you should have it on just you know one singular place every single time. Not a fan of that. I agree with Stephen A. Smith. I think they should absolutely re- move the Rose Bowl to SoFi Stadium. I think the Rose Bowl is antiquated. I think it's a dump other than the playing surface. Yeah, you get the beautiful sunset, but you're not going to the game to see the sunset. You're going to the game to see one of the college football 
football playoff games. It would be much better at SoFi Stadium. The players deserve it. The coaches deserve it. Even the fans deserve it. And there's also precedence here. Where is the Cotton Bowl played? Everybody, Dallas. where is the Cotton Bowl? It's Arlington. They play at Jerry's World. They don't play in the Cotton oh, Bowl now. anymore. The Cotton Bowl is not at the Cotton Bowl. The but Cotton the- Bowl is at Jerry's World. There's precedence here because they wanted an upgrade of stadiums. They should do that in California as well. The Cotton Bowl Stadium is in Dallas, though, right? Yeah, it's, okay. down, it's yeah. like right on the right, right by across the, the highway from downtown. Yeah, yeah Oklahoma yeah. and Texas yeah. still play there. They still, yeah. Play, yeah, Oklahoma and Texas still play there. So it's I, cool I, to have like a, like UCLA, USC should play there. That would be cool, but for one of the biggest games, it, 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 it's going to be in the rotation for the college football playoff every year. College football playoffs deserve these great NFL stadiums, not some rink-a-dink old stilly stadium in Pasadena. But I also think, though, you can stay in Pasadena if you, you just get the people to put the money behind it. If, if people are passionate in California and everywhere else, to, to put the money behind it to upgrade the stadium, then you can still have it in that beautiful environment, open air, the parade right there on the parade route, all the different things. That, you're not going to do a parade <laughs> near SoFi, but, I mean, I, I think SoFi is a little over the top because of the prestige of the college football games played at the Rose Bowl. I'd love to see the Rose Bowl upgrade their facilities. Uh, the next one on the list, Michael Irvin has a comp for all of you with Washington sta- or Washington's quarterback, Michael Penix. The, the way that that other touchdown came out, yep. that reminds you of Michael Vick. That ball jumps off. Remember that ball used to jump off Michael I? Vick here? Oh. It, it, that that reminds me of Michael Vick right there. I mean, this is he 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 has. Listen, I heard people talking about him, even driving into work today, and they were talking about, well, Michael Penny Jr. Where do you think he's going to be? And it was like a late round, maybe a late round first stuff like. I said, are you joking? That dude. No, man, are you joking? That, that, when they get through the process, the way that kid moves and the way he throws that ball yep. off his hands that quick, that fast, and how accurate he is, he, he's going to, he'll jump up anybody's draft board. He's going to jump up draft board. Michael Irvin said he was driving into work that day. I hope he wasn't. He sounds drunk. How high does he think he's going? But he also said, like, he sounds like he's stuttering his words there a little bit. Um, the comparison to Michael Vick is awful. It is terrible. Like, I don't think he's ever seen Michael Penix play. Because Michael Penix and Michael Vick, the only thing that they have in common is that they're left-handed and they're black. That's it. Because Vick had, the like, a cannon. Mm-hmm. Penix has a strong enough arm, but it's not a cannon. Michael Penix, incredibly accurate. Michael Vick never was. Michael Vick is the greatest scrambling quarterback until Lamar Jackson. They're probably comparable. Michael Penix doesn't like to scramble. Hey, He's pretty good at it, but he's nowhere near the level of Michael Vick. Michael Penix and Michael Vick's one of the worst comps I've ever heard. I would agree with that simply because of the fact that you mentioned just excuse me, what Michael Vick was just in terms of his scramble ability, his running ability, his elusiveness, his athleticism. I saw him single-handedly win a game in the playoffs at Lambeau Field in the snow Mm -hmm. just because of how athletic he was. Michael Penix doesn't want to run like that. Excuse me. They're, they're totally different quarterbacks. Like, Penix, my Penix comp. If, if Michael up. Penix wasn't left-handed, he wouldn't make that. No. He wouldn't make that comparison. It starts it, and ends with the left-handedness. If he was white and right-handed, he would he would throw rocks at people that said that he was similar to Michael Vick or comp him with Michael Vick. I don't think Irving's really seen NFL Penix's players game. rave about Michael Vick's touch, but his arm. Like, not oh, necessarily his accuracy, cannon, but it was sure. a cannon, and he could also, because... From any angle before Mahomes did it, he could he could touch yeah. the football out of his hands. But the single greatest attribute of Michael Vick was his ability to run the football. And no one would call him accurate, though. 
Like, no. they're totally different quarterbacks. Pinnock's accurate with, like, a strong-ish arm. Vic had a cannon with a very inaccurate arm. And Vic was, a like, a scrambling, dual-threat quarterback. Penix is capable of doing it, but he's more of a pocket passer. Michael Irvin makes the list. Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel makes the I love Mike McDaniel. Although, watching Hard Knocks, I don't know if y'all been watching Hard Knocks, the in-season stuff. I wonder if Mike McDaniel's quirkiness kind of rubs people the wrong way after a period of time. I think it could. Because, like, we see him in doses, and, like, in doses, he's very, like, fun and, like, quirky and cool. We don't spend 10 hours a day with him. And I wonder if he could kind of rub some people the wrong way being that quirky all the time. But Mike McDaniel makes the list this week for playing Bradley Chubb down 100 points with three minutes left to play. You're a playoff team. You might be the two seed even after the loss against Baltimore. And you're playing one of your stars, one of your best defensive players down 100 points with three minutes left in the play, uh, three minutes left in the game. What are you doing, Mike McDaniel? Yeah, we talked about this the other day. It was amazing to me. It was not a fireable offense, but he should be ashamed of himself for doing what he did. And 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 there was a more than just this this example of coaches that just leave their best players in too long when a game is already out of reach. And, and everybody's oh, you know, it's all fun and games till it's not. And it's not when Chubb tears an ACL and he's out for you, and he is such a valuable piece of your puzzle defensively. And now you look going forward and go, now what the hell do we do? That was a brutal move. That was a stupid decision, and he absolutely has a place there. And with 46-man rosters on game day, you can't take out all your starters. It's impossible. You take out your best he started, players. Yeah. Tua hurt his shoulder in that, or his elbow in that game, too. Was so it did, elbow uh, or shoulder? I can't remember. Um, Howard, Howard yeah. was like in the first half, though. I saw the injury happen, but there, I thought there was someone else aside from him, too. There was one other key player that, that was in, in garbage time. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Because I went back in hard knocks. I thought Howard was late, too. But watching hard knocks, Howard's happened in the first half. And then Tua hurt his elbow, shoulder, like kind of, I don't know if it was third, fourth. But Chubbs was three minutes left to play when he should not have been on the field. Ridiculous. Was he talking smack to Dan Marino, too? Did you see that yeah, clip? Yeah, it was kind of funny, though. Yeah. Like, it was, hey, Marino, Coming for here, all your records. Yeah, and... I mean, it's kind of quirky funny. It was but kinda... I'm saying, to your point, that's how you can start rubbing people the wrong way. Yeah, it seems like Marino has a really good relationship with all those guys, though. Like, you saw the highlight, I guess? Like, yeah. Watching the show, like, Marino, like, hangs out in the quarterback meeting sometimes. Like, Dan Marino was doing a, a Christmas present exchange with the quarterback room. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty, like, they, Dan they're pretty tight. pretty crotchety, I've heard from time to it time. It looks like they're pretty tight. Like, they, they welcome him in, and it seems like they're all pretty tight. All right, those are the guys that make the list. Herb Street, Stephen A. Smith, whatever side you are there. Michael Irvin, a drunk Michael Irvin, I think, uh, who drove to work that day. That's a shame. And then Mike McDaniel for playing Bradley Chubb. All of you make the list. Where does the Texans rookie class stack up against the rookie classes of other contending teams in the NFL. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Thank you for listening to ESPN 97.5. It means the world. A whole new world. A dazzling place I never knew. Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Spencer just continues his lies in 2024. It's unbelievable. Uh, he's Blank. I'm Branham. No Joe George today. It's his birthday. He also took off work. Are they related? Uh, wrong answers only. What is Joe George doing? 713-780-3776. Instead, we have Brian McDonald with us. Uh, Houston Texans, who knows if they're going to make the playoffs. I was thinking about this earlier today. 
I mean, we all know that Saturday night's game, I've had to condition my mind to make sure that I say Saturday, Saturday, sat, not Sunday. Uh, we all know that's what amounts to a, a playoff game. Like, you win, you're in. You lose, you're out. If you tie, you're out as well. Now, whenever you get to the playoffs, it's like the, I don't want to say this, like the sudden death is upon you. The next game you lose, your season is over. The finality of it all is is here. But it's here now. Like, it's here in Week 18. So, like, the Texans have the finality, the pressure of finality of their 2023 season. They're playing with their football lives on the line, even though it's not the playoffs, this week. You lose, you're done. You win, you're in. It's a playoff-like game. It's a playoff-like atmosphere. We mentioned earlier John Grenard uh, out, Noah Brown out. Other guys are questionable. But uh, Brian put this on, on the uh, – on the rundown, ranking the top rookie classes for 2023 playoff teams. The CBS Sports, it was the Trapazzo guy who we were making fun of yesterday. <laughs> but he has the Texans as the, the top team amongst contenders. Amongst contenders, their rookie class. And for me, I can't argue. Like, C.J. Stroud, best rookie quarterback by far. In fact, there's an argument that he's the best rookie quarterback in the last 25 years. Uh, Will Anderson's one of the top three defensive rookies in the NFL. You can make an argument for one. You can make an argument for three. Jalen Carter's been very good. Uh, The defensive end that uh, the Rams drafted in the third round, Byron Young, he's very good as well. Uh, Tank Dell, now... He's no longer available. Uh, Lamont sent me a tweet the other day that Colin Coward was saying that the Texans are going to count on Tank Dell this weekend or in the playoffs. Oh, but he couldn't. He didn't give me a link there because he would have been on the list, but he never sent that. Uh, so you had the the rookies that have helped you. C.J. Stroud, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Will Anderson, potentially Defensive Rookie of the Year. Tank Dell has, was fantastic until Bobby Slowick wanted him to block in the box. Key contributors, you had Juice Scruggs, you had Jarrett Patterson. Henry Toa Toa has seen his contributions kind of limited as of late, kind of been benched. Patterson's been hurt. So the three guys are Stroud, Anderson, Scruggs. Tank Dell helped you earlier. Patterson helped you earlier. The second team, and I think this is a team that we sleep on because, uh, I mean, we're, we're focused on the local team. The second team that they list are the Los Angeles Rams. Puka, who was a six-round pick, He's probably going to be the runner-up in Offensive Rookie of the Year. Fantastic. Uh, Kobe Turner. Actually, Kobe Turner is the defensive lineman that uh, might finish top three in Defensive Rookie of the Year, probably will. They also drafted Byron Young in the third round. Steve Avila, I'm not that familiar with his work. I thought Kyron Williams was a rookie. I forgot that he was actually drafted last year. It's funny how Les Snead did bad things with draft picks, but then you have a draft class of Puka, Kobe Turner, Byron Young, and then I guess the center helps them out a lot, Yeah. They used to throw the draft away, saying the time is now. They were trading away draft picks left and right just to get as many veterans as they could and go for it. Then once they won it, they were just basically they, – they made their draft headquarters a beach house on Manhattan Beach because it seemed like it was all just a foregone conclusion that they were just going to go through the motions to get through the draft. And now you look at that class and go, that's pretty damn good. And for a team that a lot of people didn't think was going to be pretty damn good this year, the fact that they're already in and they can rest Matt Stafford this week and start Carson Wentz, the contributions they've got from every guy that you mentioned have been a major reason why that they're still... I mean, look at what Puka's doing, and he could break a record this... with a certain, I forget if it's yards or catches, but if, I mean, the fact that no one saw this coming from a guy like taken where he was taken, that's a hell of a story in itself. But when you look at the entire draft class, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. They have Jonah Williams and uh, Kobe Turner playing alongside Aaron Donald, Kobe Turner. They list as a defensive tackle. Kobe Turner has nine sacks 
next to Aaron Donald. And then the other rookie I was telling you about, the the Byron Young, mm-hmm. he's got seven sacks. Like those were two third round draft picks. Like they they hammered this draft, especially if you throw in Puka, who was a six rounder, Kyron Williams, who was kind of a redshirt rookie last year. So pretty bullish on the uh, the Rams class. But I can't put the Rams ahead of uh, the Texans. Third on this list was actually the Packers. Uh, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Vicks. Then they had the other contributors: Croft, Valentine, Musgrave, Brooks, Van Ness. Uh, and wooden. Van Ness has been kind of a disappointment, but right, yeah, some of those other guys have hit. Yeah, he, he hadn't really had a good year. He really has, he? has not. So he, they have the Packers third, the Rams second. I think this is easily the Texans. Like, I <laughs> love the Rams draft class. I think the Rams draft class, how I would sell this, is that the Rams got the most value Absolutely. from their draft. Sixth round, third round, third round, that are all very, very good. But the Texans, like CJ Stroud's been so good. Will Anderson's been so good. Tank Dell was so good. So I would have Texans one, no problem about it. And I have Rams easily number two. I think those are easily your top two. Yeah, I think that when you always hear people say, <clears throat> this was always very uh, brought up and very relevant with Rick Smith. Oh, he could always hit the number ones, but everybody does. It's where he really struggled was the middle rounds and the other important picks that he didn't get right from the third through the fifth or sixth. From a Rams perspective, they got the later round picks right. This was the Texans draft a year ago when they found Pierce and they found Petrie in the second round. They found a lot of guys a little bit later. But when you look at it, you still got to hit those number ones and you got to get something for them. And Texans fans know that especially when you're talking about Green and now you're seeing more from Stingley, that matters the most because those are supposed to be impact players. You got two impact players on either side of the football with your first two picks this year. So that's a massive win for a team that desperately needed it. I got no problem. I think it's a lot closer than you think it is, though. I think the Rams' depth by overall value, you, you spot on by saying value. That's exactly the word I was thinking. They got a ton of value with their late-round picks, but the Texans hit on the two most important picks in their draft class. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the Rams draft. I don't think it's really that close, though. Like, the Texans have the quarterback in C.J. Stroud. Quarter, who the is, position they play matters. Right, yeah. I mean, in Anderson, Anderson's production, you can make the case that, like, ter- uh, c- combined Turner and Byron Young have been combined better than Anderson, and I'd be fine with that. But I don't think you can sleep on the contributions of Tank Dell. Yes, I know he's hurt. Uh, Drew Scruggs, who's been playing pretty darn mm-hmm. good at left guard. Jared Patterson was a, a steal. Like, you got him late. He was starting games at center, which I think is the toughest position on the offensive line to come in and play immediately because you have, you have coverage stuff. And you he have- wasn't getting deetered. No, he was pretty good. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was holding his own. That was Whenever he got hurt, you were upset he got hurt. Yep. Like, that's always the tell of, like, if a player is going to be good or not. Now, they misspelled Jared Patterson's name on here, but we won't be too mean to this Trapasso guy because we were mean to him the other day. Now, the question that it kind of leads to, though, is you look at, you know, I think the Texans are clear-cut, number one. You think it might be a little bit tighter. Uh, there's no doubt that they had a good rookie class, though. Can Casario take a victory lap with this? And then you kind of bring in the conversation, too, of, like, this is Casario's best pitch to be executive of the year in the NFL. I think he he deserves flowers for what he's done. Uh, I think that we talked about his talent evaluation skills, but, yeah, there's been some incompletes. Yeah, there's been some misses. There's been some dumb trades that we've highlighted in the past with late-round picks. But I'm saying for this season alone, what he's done, the class that he drafted, and then when you start – factoring in the other things like all these guys he brought in midseason and beyond that have become factors in every game by playing substantial snaps and getting key plays when you need them this year has been he's been great across the board he had a great draft he brought in the right guys that suddenly have filled in at the right time when they were desperately needed and he got the most important position on the field right in the draft by taking cj stroud so for me 
no matter what everybody else makes for the argument for other people, I think that he should be the front runner, in my opinion. He should win executive of the year because he's encompassing everything that a general manager is supposed to be. The trade he made to, to preseason to bolster the right side of the offensive line, I thought that was a, 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 a savvy pickup. I think he's done from the trades, but specifically from the transactions and then from the draft, he's done what you need him to do. The executive of the year, if he wins it, great. If he doesn't, whatever. Like, you know how I right. feel about I that. I'm indifferent about individual. Well, I couldn't care less if he wins it or not. Now, he's done, a, he's done a good job. That's what I care about. I care that he's done a good job. Now, the question that I, that I want to ask and bring up to everybody, 713-780-3776, we've been indifferent with Casario really throughout his tenure with the Texans, like you and I, the Hive, everybody. Uh, he's made some trivial moves. Uh, he's made some questionable decisions. There's a lot of you know, dialogue about how he spent his first two years as the general manager of the Texans. I think we can all agree he did a good job in year three, whether it's executive of the year or whether it's not executive of the year. I think we're all unanimous in that he did a good job. But what about going forward? Is there that confidence that can, that Casario can continue to build what is turned into a winning organization? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, home of Odin Finch. Odin Finch. I'm Odin Finch.